in the UK, the Conservative Party is in the middle of a leadership election to decide on the next party leader and Prime Minister. And they are down, now down to the last two remaining candidates. But earlier in the process, Channel 4 hosted a leadership debate when there were five candidates still remaining. And during the evening, they faced questions from a studio, studio audience made up of floating voters. And one of those questions was about if they believed that Boris Johnson was honest. Shockingly, none of the candidates were willing to say yes, even although they were, willing, they were from that party. Instead, answers varied from a sometimes to a direct no. But then the audience was asked to put their hand up if they, from what they'd heard so far, they trusted politicians. Nobody in the audience raised their hands. It's a terrible indictment on the state of politics in the UK. People's perception of politicians is that they are untrustworthy and unreliable. That's what people think. But if we are honest, and we're supposed to be honest because we're in church this morning, it's not just politicians who are sometimes like that, is it? All of us know that we are not as trustworthy as we should be. All of us, at times, fail to live up to our promises, our obligations, our commitments. All of us, to some extent, are unfaithful. That's why Moses stands out as unusual. For 40 years, he led the people of Israel during a foundational time in their nation's history with incredible faithfulness. And God worked in power through him to rescue them out of slavery in Egypt, to bring them safely through the Red Sea, and to provide and protect them in the desert for years. So it's no wonder that, the peop- that, that, that Moses held a special place in the hearts of the people of Israel. In fact, many of them thought that Moses was the greatest person in all of history. Some even thought that he had a higher status than the angels. So it's maybe not surprising that some of the early Christians struggled with leaving their Judaism behind. It felt that they were walking away from their connection with this faithful servant of God. And so that's what the writer of Hebrews went on to address. He had challenged them in the previous chapters that Jesus was better than the angels. Now he wanted them to to show them that although Moses was a faithful servant of God, Jesus is better. And that it's through focusing on him that they could be faithful in their commitment to God. So this morning we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, down to verse 6. 
And Philip is going to come and he's going to read for us just now. Thank you, Philip. Good morning. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Amen. Thank you very much, Philip. Moses was far from being perfect. Like the rest of it, he was a flawed human being. He'd grown up in the palace uh, as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. But when he was 40 years old, he saw an Egyptian beating up one of his own people. And in anger, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He thought he'd covered it up, he'd got away with it. But when he was found out, he ran away to Midian, where he was a shepherd for the next 40 years of his life. And then when God told Moses at the burning bush that he was sending him back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, he was far from enthusiastic. And although God graciously answered all of Moses' excuses in a way that has brought encouragement to all of us who struggle to answer God's call through that feeling of inadequacy, Moses still, after all of that, still pleaded, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. And then later in his life, He again lashed out in anger, striking a rock in disobedience to God. And as a result, God said, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. So Moses was not perfect by any means. But he was an amazing man of faith, who faithfully served God. That's what we read in verse 2. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. And this was not just the perspective of the Jews or even the writer of this letter. This is what God had said. At one point in in their wandering through the desert, Moses' brother and sister became jealous of his role as a leader of the people. And they criticised him because of his wife. His wife was a Cushite. So they criticised him for having a wife that was not part of their 
family. But God spoke up in his, de- his defence. This is what he said. It's in Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face. Clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So although Moses was really initially reluctant to answer God's call, once he accepted God's call, he was remarkably faithful in the house of the Lord. That little phrase, the house of the Lord, I think it could have two meanings here. The house, it may refer to the tabernacle, that tent of meeting that, that, where God met with his people. After receiving the plans for the tabernacle from God, in Exodus 40, it says Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. Moses set up that tabernacle exactly the way that God had told him to. And served in that tabernacle as God told him to. But this word house can also have another meaning. Maybe you remember a few months back, maybe more than that. We were looking at the life of David. And we saw that David, at one point, he wanted to build a house for the Lord. He wanted to build a temple for God. But instead, God promised to build a house, a family, a people for David. So, there's a house that is a a building, a place of meeting with God, and there's a house that is the people of God themselves. And so, Moses was not just faithful in God's tabernacle, he was also faithful in serving the community of God's people. He faithfully taught them the law of God. He prayed for them. He led them. He prophesied to them. Testifying what would be said in the future. And so the Jews were right to some extent. Moses was a great man of faith. He was trustworthy. He served God in amazing ways. And we can read about his life and be challenged by his life and be inspired and learn from his example. But what they got wrong was that he was not the greatest person in all of history. Because there's somebody better. Look at verse 2 again. Like Moses, Jesus was also called, was also faithful To the one who appointed him. Jesus was committed to do everything that his father had commanded him to do. He could say this in John 14.31. I love the father and I do exactly what my father has commanded me. Exactly. 
But the, the faithfulness of Jesus was at a, a greater level than that of Moses. And this passage declares several reasons why that's the case. Why Jesus is better than Moses. So first of all, verse 3. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. I don't know, know about you, but as a family, we kind of like watching these, these building programmes. You know, like uh, Room to Improve. Anybody watch Room to Improve? Or Grand Designs? Not that we'll ever have a house like any of those ones. But it's amazing to see the beautiful and impressive renovations and homes that are built around this world. It's, astound- it's astounding the design and the creativity that these buildings demonstrate. But of course, we don't go and congratulate the buildings themselves, do we? Instead, the honour goes to the architects goes to the builders who design and put those buildings together. They're the ones who are praised. In a similar way, Moses, well, he was part of God's house. He was an amazing member of the community of God's people. But Jesus was the architect. He was the builder of that community of God's people. He was the one who brought these people together. So the greater honour goes to Jesus than to Moses. But secondly, Jesus' faithfulness is also at a higher level because of his greater identity. Look at verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Here's another clear pointer in the book of Hebrews to the true identity of Jesus, who Jesus really is. Moses, he was part of the creation. He was part of what God had made. But Jesus is worthy of greater honour because he's the builder. He's the creator. And if the builder and creator is God, then that means Jesus is God. I think that truth is emphasized again in the next verses. Look at verse 5 and 6. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's. Moses is, is worthy of honour because he was a servant in the community of God's people. He served faithfully. But Jesus is worthy of greater honour because he's not a servant in God's house. He is the son over God's house. He is the rightful heir of God's house. He is the, the ultimate owner of God's house. He is the one who the community of God's people belongs to. As a son, he is faithful in his role. Or we could put it this way. Moses is worthy of honour because he loved God. Jesus is worthy of more honour because he is 
God. But thirdly, it's also because he had a greater role. Moses was called and commissioned by God to lead his people. And as part of this role, he served by testifying to what would be said in the future. We've said that. He was a prophet. He pointed forward to the, the better and the fuller revelation that was going to come. But we've seen in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is God's final word to this world. He is the better and fuller revelation. He is, as, as the writer calls him here in verse 1, the apostle and high priest, we confess. The apostle and high priest. That word apostle, it means a, a personal representative of someone. They've been sent by someone with the same authority as that person to speak for them. This is actually the only place where that title is given to Jesus. And yet, the truth that Jesus was sent by the Father to speak for him is right throughout the Scriptures. So, for example, Jesus said in John chapter 12, When a man believes in me, He does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. Jesus is the one who has been sent by the Father to represent him and to authoritatively speak for him. And he did this perfectly. But he did not just come to represent God to us. He also came to represent us to God. As we've already seen in this letter, he is our great high priest. That he might make atonement for the sins of the people. On the cross, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Paying that price in full in his own body and covering over our guilt and setting us free from the slavery to sin and to death. And now he constantly intercedes for us. So he's able to save us completely. And that's far greater than any role that Moses had. Yes, Moses did bring a revelation from God. But he could never see, as Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And yes, Moses did serve as a priest in the tabernacle. But he wasn't the high priest. And anyway, the sacrifices in that tabernacle could never really provide salvation because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. As Hebrews 10 says. And so Jesus, and Jesus alone, is the Apostle and High Priest, we confess. He is the one who has been sent to perfectly represent God to us. And to perfectly represent us to 
to God. He, and not Moses, is the centre of our faith. He alone is the way to God. The truth of God. And the giver of life with God. And it's this that should encourage us to be faithful to Him no matter what we face. This letter was, give, was given, was written to Jews who had confessed Jesus as their Saviour. They claimed that they had put their faith in Christ. And as a result, the, the writer called them holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling. Holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling. They were holy because Jesus is the one who makes men holy. Through his sacrifice on the cross, he has purified them from sin. He has separated them from the world and sanctified them to belong to God. So they're holy. But they're also brothers, not just because they are the writer's brothers, but because they are Jesus' brothers. Because Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. So they are holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling because Jesus is bringing many sons to glory. Together they had the common blessing of being on a journey towards intimacy with God in the heavenly most holy place. Holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling. And that's true for each and every one of us who have trusted in Jesus. We too are holy brothers. We too are children of God who have been cleansed and made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus. And we too are citizens of heaven. We too are sons heading for glory. And so, as the writer says in verse 6, we are His house. We are the community of of God's people. We've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. We've been adopted into God's family. We are members of the church. We, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a, a royal a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ Peter says in his first letter this is an incredible incredible privilege and honour this is the gift of God's outrageous grace this is our new identity. This is our new calling. This is our new destiny. Holy brothers 
who share in the heavenly calling. But this amazing encouragement comes with a very clear condition. Look at verse 6 again. Let's read it carefully. And we are his house if If we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. We can be sure that we are members of God's people if we continue to courageously stand for Christ and live with Christ and put our hope in Christ. Our new identity, our new calling, our new destiny is closely connected to our faithfulness to Christ. Now we need to be really clear about what the writer is saying here. Okay, this is not in any way saying that we are saved through our efforts or through our commitment or through our perseverance. That's not the case at all. Salvation is a gift from God that we could never earn, that we could never deserve, that we could never achieve. Ephesians 2 and 8, it is by grace you have been saved. And this, and through faith, this, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And neither is it saying that we could be saved, we could receive that gift, and then in some way fall away and lose our salvation. That's not what he's saying at all either. Jesus' promise is my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. But what this is saying is that our perseverance in faith demonstrates the reality that we have been saved. Those who have genuinely put their faith in Jesus will continue to trust in Him and live with Him. So this is a call to faithfulness to Christ. To keep on going. To never give up. Not so that we can try and work our way into God's house but because our faithfulness demonstrates that we're already members of God's house. So our faithfulness gives us the assurance of our salvation. This is what Hebrews goes on to say in in chapter 6, verse 11. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. So our faithfulness is crucially important. We need to remain faithful as Moses did and as Jesus was faithful. But how? How in the face of all the challenges and struggles do we remain faithful? Do we show that we truly are his house? 
That we truly are belonging to God's people. That we truly are children of God who are heading for glory. How can we do that? How can we keep on going with all of the challenges and struggles and and issues and opposition that we might face in our lives? Well, the answer is, verse 1, that we need to fix our thoughts on Jesus. This is the central call in this passage. Faithfulness does not come through fear or guilt or shame or condemnation or just trying trying harder, pulling our socks up, you know, all that kind of stuff. Neither does it come through focusing on Moses or any other leader or pastor or preacher. Because none of them are completely faithful. None of them will provide that solid foundation for our faith. In fact, there are many people who today are no longer walking with Christ because they were let down by a church leader. They were hurt by a fellow Christian. They were disappointed with a church. So they walked away. We can sympathise with them in their heart, for sure. But that's not the kind of faith that we need. We don't need a faith that can be crumbled if a church leader or a church or a fellow Christian hurts us and then we're saying, well, I'm packing it all in. We need something stronger than that. Something more secure than that. So if we are going to be able to weather all kinds of storms in our lives... We need a more dependable foundation. We need a more faithful leader. We need to fix our thoughts on someone who's completely dependable. Someone that we can totally trust. We need to fix our thoughts on Jesus. We need to carefully consider Him. His greater faithfulness. His greater honour. His greater identity. His greater role. We need to concentrate on Him as the Apostle and High Priest that we confess. We need to trust Him as God's Son. As the rightful Sovereign of this world. As our Saviour. It's as we grow in our understanding of an appreciation of Christ that we will hold on to our commitment to Christ. And that's what Hebrews is all about. It's encouraging us to make sure that nothing distracts us from Jesus. Yes, Moses was a faithful servant in God's house. But Jesus is today the faithful son over God's house. So let us focus on Him. Let's fix our eyes on Him. Let's treasure Him. Let's rejoice in Him. Let's trust in Him. So that we will remain faithful to Him. And show that we belong to Him. 
that one day we will reign with him to his honour and to his glory.